Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl & Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. So let's let's play another game of Alexa's favourites, because people seem to like that, where we ask Alexa to play the tunes of a well-known pop star and see what she comes up with first, she, see what she favours. Uh, <laughs> would you like to go first, Mark? Oh, right, OK. Um, what, what about the kinks? Okay, Should we try the we kinks? Go. Let's go. Alexa, play the kinks. Playing songs by the Kinks from Spotify. Well, there you go. Oh, that's good. Alexa, stop. She's on form. She's on form. So she goes for the obvious. That's absolutely perfect. She didn't go go for Waterloo Sunset or Come Dancing or anything like that. No, she went for the obvious one. Uh, Let me think. What do you think she's going to say if I ask her to play? Oh, good grief. Uh, I'm going blank. Um, Billy Joel. What do you think she'd go with? Billy Joel would be Uptown Girl, surely. Okay, would that be the one? Yeah, that's my it guess. might be. That's, that's it might be that. It might be that, or just the way we, just the way. Oh you yeah, are. of course. Yeah, it could be. Go on. Okay, Alexa, play Billy Joel. Playing songs by Billy Joel from Spotify. Oh, you're right, Mark. Hey. Alexa, stop. There you go. You're absolutely right. It's Uptown Girl. Okay, one more, Mark. Um, should we go with something a little more contemporary? Okay, go on. Um, what do you think? Something like... Well, no, well, I'll tell you what. Let's try the Human League. Alexa, play the Human League. Playing songs by the Human League from Spotify. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, that's good. Alexa, stop. That's Absolutely pretty much the one you would have thought on the money, yeah. surely. It's a, it's a good game, though, isn't it? It's a great game. People can play this game. game. And it's so mystifying. <laughs> we play that one. The, 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 I still can't get over the fact that the Beatles song that, that Alexa chooses is Here Comes the Song. It does seem extraordinary, doesn't it? Because it is the most streamed Beatles song of, of the present day. So, um, 
things I've been thinking about during lockdown. Do you know what's starting to get to me a little bit? Hair. My hair. It's starting to, you know, I, I can't see through it at the moment. Have you got the same problem? I've, oh, my. The hair problem is terrible. And, you know, the decision is, would it be worse if you asked your wife to cut your hair? Probably. Oh, my God. <laughs> or will you finish up, you know, in a month's time looking like a member of Atomic Rooster? Do you remember Paul Denoyer? That word, the great Paul Denoyer, who's on Q2, he's had that wonderful expression word. I think we once showed him a picture of Glenn Cornick's wild turkey, and he, he said they have hair like an exploded mattress, which I thought was <laughs> such a fantastic <laughs> phrase. But I, I used to, I mean, I was always obsessed by, we were always obsessed at, at school, by, by who had the longest hair in rock? And I always think the answer to that is Artemis Pyle of Leonard Skinner. Do you remember him? He was oh. the drummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, Absolutely yeah, unbelievable yeah. character. And uh, hair down to his waist. Uh, members of the Alice Cooper band also had the longest hair. And Leon They Russell, did, didn't they? Sensational hair. And the great there thing about long hair was, that, was it, that the longer they? somebody's hair... Uh, people say, yeah, the longer their hair was, the more it indicated that they'd been committed... The longer they'd been committed to the counterculture. So it was very, very important, wasn't it, length of hair? It was very true. Well, you know, you know I, I keep my agents... I foolishly told my agent, my literary agent, that I, I thought there was a good idea that you could write a book about hair in rock. And he loves this idea. It's a great idea. So he, keep, he keeps revisiting it every time we speak. He wants me to do it. And I keep thinking about it. I think, no, it's a long magazine feature. I don't think it's quite a, bo- uh, quite a book. Hair is more important than music in rock. It is. Well, important. if you read those early reviews of the Beatles... You know, you think of all the things that they had going for them, the, the stagecraft, the act, the clothes, the, the backing, the vocal harmonies, the, the woos, and stuff like that. Nothing compares to the amount that was written about their hair. It's a bit similar even with Elvis Presley. You know, the, Elvis Presley's first creative act was dyeing his hair black and then greasing it back, you know. That's that right. That was his major statement throughout his entire career. What's blonde? Which is a superb moment in your quiz book, Dave. That's a, one, you ask what the, who's the odd one out? Elvis Presley, Debbie Harry, or Sting? And listeners, if you don't know the answer, I'm going to give you the answer because the answer is that two of those who you think of as being blonde were not blonde, but the only natural blonde was Elvis Presley, Absolutely. which is riveting. He's dyed because his he hair had black. blonde hair, and he dyed his hair black. You're listening to the Word Podcast, where the time is whenever you want it to be. So have you got any more lockdown topics? Has anything else struck you the last few uh, last few days? Not really, so? apart from listening to records that dig having the time to go back and listen to records that you'd um you never really got round to listening to. And the one I put on the other day, just out of idle curiosity, was Two Virgins by uh, John Yoko, which I found I had a copy <laughs> of, which I forgot. Oh can I God, can I just interrupt anybody ever listen to that record? Can I or, just interrupt a second? You you must have really been as a loose end if if, if <laughs> you know. No, it's I mean, just you curiosity. Must have... God, God. So what? It's just I don't think I've ever heard it. Go on. What happens it's on just, two virgins? It's just appalling. It's kind of tape loops, loops, bits of kind of discordant jazz. It's um, it's just horrendous uh, caterwauling and wailing. It's random shrieks. It's sort of bird song, um, sonic booms. Speech played at the wrong speed. It's, I mean, it made me think, did anybody at the time ever get through the whole of this record? Were there a load of people <laughs> sitting uh, in a circle, um, you know, on beanbags, 
uh, and surrounded by joysticks and smoking herbal cigarettes, listening intently to every note of this, thinking it had some significance. God alone. I don't knows. think. I don't no, think it's true. Were... I think only during lockdown would you ever dare put this thing on. Unbelievable. Did, were no, you reminded of it? I... Were you were you nudged in its direction by reading Craig Brown's book about the Beatles? Because he yeah. he obviously writes a lot about Yoko in that book. Have you got to that bit where he writes? I haven't got to that Yoko? stage. Don't tell I me what happened. <laughs> Well, no, I'm only does... halfway through. I'm having to ration myself. <laughs> he does say, he does say, it's quite, it's quite interesting that he kind of traces her pre-Lennon career, you know. Um, and uh, I think at one stage he says, he say, he commits himself to what I think is the driest statement ever made about Yoko Ono. I think he says something to the effect of, it's difficult to pinpoint her talents. <laughs> <laughs> That's very diplomatic. Which is, which is like, there's obviously so many, but it's very difficult to arrive at one. That's, <laughs> that's, that's really that's exceptional. You know, He's got a um, really nice soft touch, hasn't he? <laughs> that, that book, this is, we're talking about One, Two, Three, Four by Craig Brown, which we're both, well, I'm reading, Dave's already read. And I, the bit I just read was that incredible bit in the, when they go to the party at the American Embassy, the British Embassy, sorry, in New York. Do you remember that in, in 1964? Yeah. Yeah, and Washington. they are the biggest. They are. Oh, is it Washington? And they are the. Yeah. You know, they're, they're the great sensation that's sweeping the nation. You know, and all these terrible toffee-nosed, you know, aristocratic mm. British types, mm. sort of are, are terribly patronising towards them, and sort of say, "Now, which one are you? Which and one are go, you?" John goes, "Well, I'm Roger, and he's Derek, and that's Dave over there." And you know, they're confused. And somebody, and somebody wonder, cuts a bit of Ringo. Somebody cuts hair, a bit of Ringo's it? hair. In order without to his, his without his permission, oh. it's appalling, appalling. It really, it really, actually, I find it really, really quite upsetting to read. Yes, it was. John Lennon, someone asked John Lennon to sign his autograph, and he signs the autograph, and this is very landy. Oh, look, uh, he can write as well. You, know, you think this is unbelievable? <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Well, you can't imagine. So, so two virgins. So two virgins is your lockdown list. Well, it made me think I of all those records that, that are still unlistenable. I think Metal Machine Music, which are, are, is, is famously unlistenable, that's hard. Trout Master. Well, I've got I've got one in front of me. That. Oh, go on. Uh, this is a record put out by Michael Nesmith called oh, yeah, the yeah. called the Prison. And he made um, some great records. Your average ranch stash, brilliant. He did. He made some great records. The story of Michael Nesmith is always worth revisiting because, you know, as everybody knows, his mother invented liquid correction paper, which in the days of typists and copy typists was, you know, it was a huge, it was like in, kind of inventing Google or something. <laughs> so, he, I mean, he didn't have to work for a living. Did he, he didn't have to work. He didn't have to work. You know, so he, he, he wanted to play music and he played music and he joined the monkeys and he went through all that. But he didn't actually have to work. He was independently wealthy. And so, you know, he just did, did what he pleased. Um, and he started his own label called Pacific Arts. He put out a load of really good records in RCA. He also put out some really strange ones. And, uh, and he had his own label called Pacific Arts. And he came up with this idea of a, of a, uh, a record, which is a record that you're supposed to listen to while reading the book that's in the box. And it's called The Prison. And it's supposed to be a story of a man in prison. And you're supposed to listen to the... You're supposed to read the book while you listen to the record. Well, I think we came out in the late 70s, and I think I may have tried it once. I, I certainly don't think I got to the end. 
And I just put it back in its box. And there it's pretty much been ever since. And when I was, uh, I've been running these things on Instagram of uh, records I've played and, you know, running the pictures of the records. Yeah, I've seen them. They're brilliant. Yeah. And somebody, you know, somebody got in touch and said, have you have you thought about playing Mike Nesbitt's The Prison? I said, times aren't that tough yet. You know, I don't think, I don't think I'll be doing it. You know, because you can't tell people how to listen to records, can you? You can't no. give people a record and say, you've got to do this and listen to it while reading this book or looking at this picture or anything like that. You can't, you can't prescribe their activity in that way, can you at all? It's just asking it's for one trouble. Of the, the least commercial propositions I think I've ever heard in my life. It, it is. I mean, who Absolutely. would sit there? Right, this evening I'm going to sit down with a book and listen to a record simultaneously. And, and uh, also, you know, if I'm going to read a book, I'm not, all due respect to Mike Nesmith, who I like a great deal, if I'm going to read a book, I'm not going to read a Mike Nesmith book. <laughs> I'm going to read a book by an author. You know what I mean? Any more than he would listen to my record. You know, come on. <laughs> That's right. You That's know, be fair. The Word Podcast. Two cocoa tins and a piece of string. So uh, I've got to read it. We've got to read out some listener correspondence because we've had some because it's very nice oh, to hear it's from people. Wonderful, wonderful. It's very thing. nice. I, I've got to first of all just uh, say thank you very much to, to James who gets in touch for um, from uh, from Switzerland who says uh, he's not crewing. A, he apologizes for the fact that he's not crewing a super tanker but does, does appreciate the signals of intelligent life on planet rock while I'm in the Swiss countryside. Some expats yearn for Marmite. I prefer a podcast. Quite right, too. Uh, people have got in touch and say it's very nice to hear to hear, to hear the old Bollocks podcast revived yeah, the again. Yeah, the old Bollocks. people have suggested some of the old podcasts we ought to go back and listen to, which is great. This is Wayne yeah, yeah. Chapman who says, The Staffords on Randy Newman, Alan Shipton on Nielsen, Tom Doyle on his Elton John book. Uh, Wayne from North the North Wales Hills says all the Danny Baker ones, which are fantastic. He says especially Danny, him and Danny Kelly's Amsterdam Cafe adventure, which is which is hilarious. the, the oh. single funniest story. It's just <laughs> and it, 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 it has no punchline that story. It's it's entirely no build up. It doesn't no matter because actually, what makes it work? Danny's major breakthrough in that story was perfecting in the impression of Danny Kelly, which it was. <laughs> Which, when you work with Danny Kelly, Danny Kelly the, really the idea of Danny Kelly being impersonated by Danny Baker is just so funny. Uh, and this, for anyone yes. who hasn't done it, is, is about two guys in their in their fifties who've never smoked dope and feel that they must try it. And they're in Amsterdam, <laughs> and go to a dope cafe, and then everything goes. <laughs> They find they, they find it a lot more difficult than they anticipate. None of them got any matches. You know, it's so funny. Oh, I love it. I so, uh, got this thing from David Holly, who we know. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's yes. really good because we mentioned the Abbey Road crossing being repainted. And I'd, I'd said, I wonder when that whole tradition started, when people started crossing the Abbey Road crossing. He says, in answer to your, in answer to your question, uh, I was told by our engineers when I ran the Abbey Road studios that it began in earnest when John Lennon died. One of the engineers, Alan Rouse, noticed a few people gathering outside the studio shortly after news of Lennon's murder, and uh, he put a couple of large studio speakers outside the front door and played Lennon's songs to the gathering crowd. There wasn't much to do once people had paid their respects, so they started taking photos of each other on the crossing. Morning went on for several, several days and became a bit of a shrine. And it, yeah. they said it never went back to normal from that point always. There were always folks outside. 
uh, when they left work. And they were always crossing, crossing. So I thought it was quite interesting, actually. There we are. That's I must just, um, while we're talking about David Holly, I must just mention that David is, is also involved in the EMR AMI Archive Trust, so is the, the the body that overlooks all the all the historical materials at, at the EMI, and he started doing a podcast about it, uh, and so I, I we'll put that in the show notes uh, to this podcast because there may be some people interested in in hearing that. This I've got something here from Mike Pearmain. Uh, who tells a story? Oh, that's very funny. Yeah, about uh, in 1978, I started going to Leeds University, and so was able to pre- see proper bands for the first time. And it was also the year that Stiff Records did their Be Stiff tour by train. Do you remember that? I Where remember they, they kind of they um, chartered a train and drove it around the country. It was rather difficult to do, if I if I recall correctly, and. Um, he was he was coming back into Leeds, uh, back from a weekend at home, and he found an ob- abnormal group of people milling about. I wandered over to see what was going on. A scary-looking goth lady leaned out of a train window and beckoned me over. On approaching, I realised this was none other than Lena Lovett. She was having a degree of chart success at the time. She asked me if I wanted her autograph, which is. You know, pretty much a kind of reversal of the normal fan. I don't think I've ever heard, ever heard anyone say that ever happened before. You'd have to have a lot of nerve, wouldn't you, to say, would you like Come over here. Come over yeah. here, Sonny. Come here, young and, man. Uh, and the only thing he had to get signed was his train ticket. So she signed it. I thanked her. I then walked to the barriers, handed over my train ticket, and with it, the one and only autograph I ever got. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> handed it over straight away. So, while we're doing this, we should also uh, mention the, uh, the our new Patreon subscribers. We're very nice to hear from them. We've started a Patreon uh, page, so if, if you'd like to if you'd like to subsidise and make a contribution towards this enterprise, if it's given you pleasure in any way and you'd like to reward that, please go to the Patreon page and, and join the subscribers. And we've got, we've got a few a few uh, names to read out here. Here, Mark, I'm going to go first. The first one is Richard Ashcroft, but I don't think it's that one. Is Although, it the Richard Ashcroft? Who, it might it well could. It could be, okay. Let's say it is. Let's say it is. Yeah, well, look, Corks should be a poppin' for Mike Permain. Actually, we've just talked about him before. We've we just talked about email. Mike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and no less uh, for David Graham. And a cascade of fireworks for uh, for uh, <laughs> for, <laughs> for Kieran Rafferty. Actually, I think Raftery. I'm going to correct you. I think it's Raftery. Yeah, I was it's Raftery. It. Sorry, I read it's that the, wrong. Kieran Raftery. No, it's fair enough. The least we corrected ourselves, and the least we can do from these people who've uh, who've chipped in to help yeah. us is getting their names right. And so, you know, a, a big hurrah for Grant Hobson. And yeah, let let joy be unconfined for Jeremy Coulter. And please be upstanding, ladies and gentlemen, for Mark Lawrence. <laughs> And can there be thunderclaps in heaven, please, for Patrick Crowther? And now, inevitably, the act you've known for all these years, Russell Morris. <laughs> yeah, and uh, an outbreaks of mass hysteria for David Landreth. And ladies and gentlemen, the greatest rock and roll band in the world, David Howsham. <laughs> Dancing in the streets, surely, it's James Waddle. 
<laughs> the New York State Thruways close, man. Over to John Brown. And yes, uh, bunting shall be hanging in windows. It's Logan Mullen. <laughs> and remember when you lay down tonight, the man next door to you is your brother. And he may be Michael Toomey. <laughs> Doubles all round for Ben Meadows. There you go. The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. So we, we thought we'd, um, we'd introduce a, a new uh, feature in the podcast. We don't normally have features, but we thought, you know, in the absence of a normal news agenda, we'd, yeah, we'd yeah. go back in time. And uh, what both Mark and I have done is, uh, is selected uh, to represent, to take us back in this time capsule, we've taken an old copy of a music publication from years gone by, and we're going to just uh, give you an idea of what they say about the times or anything we found particularly interesting or striking in them. So, Mark, I think you're going to go first, Mark. What, oh, what well, year are you taking I've to? got... I'm going to take you back down the rabbit hole to uh, June the 24th, 1978, when for 15p you could have bought this copy of The Melody Maker. And, uh, it's so funny, 1978. It's so riveting. The cover story is classic Dylan. It's, it's his appearance at, uh, at Earl's Court after um, an absence. So he played at uh, the Isle of Wight nine years before, but he hadn't played on the mainland for 12 years. And I mean, this. I mean, I went to those shows. I'm sure you did too. They, they, it, was, it was an incredibly exciting event. But it's so funny reading reading the, the magazine because you know it talks about what's going on. There's the members are playing at the Red Cow, and there's a muted uh, praise for Patrick Fitzgerald's group, and there's the Raver. Do you remember the Raver, the gossip columnist? Oh uh, God! He mentions yes. uh, how Dave Vane of the Damned in his full stage regalia has um, freaked out a load of American tourists in a church by entering it. And uh, the Buzzcocks are playing an anti-Nazi league gig and Sham 69 doing rock against racism and killjoys at the marquee. All that kind of stuff. But you suspect that actually it's a hiatus, which I think it was. Even, I mean, particularly the Melody Makers very conservative too, but nothing, it, it's that moment between punk in 1978 and what was about to happen, which I suppose would have been two-tone. And then eventually, you know, the electronic pop of people like the Human League. So really all they're writing about is people like darts... Rocket 88, which is Charlie Watts' trio. Do you remember oh, that? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. UFO. And then they write about the big excitements are Dire Straits and uh, Tom Petty. And Tom Petty is about to play Nebworth that weekend, which I also, which I reviewed for the NME, actually, with uh, Jefferson Starship, Genesis, Devo, and Brand X. And it's so funny what they say about Petty. They say, Tom Petty does not cut a striking rock figure if one plays clo pays close attention to the cosmetic components. A mane of soft, blonde tresses and pale skin more closely associating, associate him with the wimpy, introspective singer-songwriter still chasing the elusive butterfly of love, rather than kicking the proverbial ass with neutron push. But Pet when Petty finishes a good set of hot rock and roll, the building is still standing, but the audience is left for dead, ravaged by the sharp intensity of his music. I mean, that's fantastic. Who's that? Who's that, that by? Who's that by? Oh, that's by, oh, I've just, just closed it up again. It's an American correspondent called Harvey, oh, it's Harvey Kubernick. All oh, right, Harvey Kubernick. Yes, but yes, uh, yes. I think it's, it's you know, and it's just that they're, they're so old school, aren't they? Uh, uh, Melody Maker. You know, they love that whole. They, they want the world to go back to, to just being 
old school rock and roll, really. And, and the I, I love the and the small ads are so revealing, aren't they? Oh, drummer I love the small mod- ads. Drummer required for modern rock band. No old wavers or long hairs. And fashion <laughs> pages, fashion pages, which I think in the enemy would have been uh, would still have been kind of punk stuff and. Uh, you know, bondage trousers. They've, here they've got peg leg trousers for seven ninety nine with cash flaps and turn ups. We've got leather bomber jackets, kimonos, cheese cheesecloth shirts for two fifty five, cotton loom pants for two fifteen. They're still selling loom pants in nineteen seventy eight. But the they Dylan said... stuff is amazing. Dylan plays is uh, is playing Earl's Court, as I said. They've they've sent four reviewers to review it. Oh, God, I've that, never, yes, yeah. I've never read praise so, so kind of ecstatic. Really, Ray Coleman is one. He said, "If I had to choose one concert to mark my life, just one event that mattered much, much more than any of the countless performances attended in the last twenty-five years, it would have been Bob Dylan's opening show at Earl's Court on June the fifteenth, nineteen seventy-eight." Well, that's pretty. That's very high praise in to start your review. Michael Watts reviews the next night, and he says. Um, Michael Watts says, oh, hang on, where are we? He also does a little review of Empire of Street Legal, which was the album at the time, which had, Dave, Carolyn, uh, Carolyn Dennis on it. Uh, yes. Do you remember Carolyn Dennis, who he went on to marry? Who he married and nobody knew. D- Dylan married and nobody knew. She was yeah, one of the magazines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Mick Watts says, if you're reading this, then the likelihood is that you would have, Dylan would have shaped your life too, and I know that he shaped mine irrevocably, because I wouldn't be writing this if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be sitting here at this typewriter at all. There's this whole idea that we grew up listening to music. We were meant to have grown out of pop music, but a whole generation of us heard the first Bob Dylan album, and we could never look back after that. I mean, mm. it's just, I, it's just stunning. It's adulation, isn't it? Max Jones talking about Dylan fever, and uh, Michael Gray, as their fourth reviewer, says it's nearly a year since the other god of rock died, leaving only Bob Dylan as potentially the once and future king. Referring obviously to Elvis, and you, you think that is amazing, you know. And, yeah. and I think I was quite touched by it really because I kind of rather missed the idea that there was a type of music around that people got that excited about. Yeah, do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that people got yeah. that moved by and thought was that important. I'm trying to find well, the I've, column. I, 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 I've, pulled out, I've pulled cool. out, uh, I've got a Rolling Stone from the first issue of Rolling Stone from the year 1983. And uh, I'm looking at the random notes section, which is the you know oh, yeah, yeah. gossip and so forth. Where there's a big piece about <laughs> there's always a piece in Rolling Stone. You go to rendered notes at any point in the last forty years. There's always an item about Mick Jagger. There's just got to be an item about Mick Jagger. And what's the, he only got and done now? What's the only? And this was I don't know if you remember this. This was when Jerry Hall left him for the racehorse owner, Robert Sangster. Do you remember oh, yeah, this? Yeah. yeah. She left him for not that long. And uh, and she's quoted in here saying that uh, he could, he was so wealthy, this guy, he could buy Mick out ten times over. Which I always thought at the time, I thought, what a curious thing to say. What a curious way to kind of, way to look at your husband or life partner or whatever. Purely in terms of their uh, their kind of uh, financial clout, and of course, I was probably very naive back in those days, uh, you know, in, in in not realizing how you know uh, in that kind of echelon of romance, 
you know, the the size of the bank balance weighs pretty pretty heavily. Uh, as of course has been proved by the fact that the same but Jerry Moore. Marry, marry Richard Murdoch. Rupert, Rupert, Rupert Richard Murdoch. Murdoch. That's good. Rupert, Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch. I mean, I my God, you that marry Rupert Murdoch. It is absolutely astonishing. You know, it's the great. The great truth about rock star dating, you know, that that it's largely about money and celebrity. Anyway, in the same uh, on the opposite page, in the same random notes, it tells you that Bowie is uh, is coming back this year, uh, and that uh, that there's going to be three movies: The Hunger, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, and a Ziggy Stardust era uh, uh, concert film is coming out. The second sentence contains the really ungainly adjective chameleonic, which is just terrible. The chameleonic performer who will turn 36 on January the 8th. (laughs) It's like, they're getting on a bit, readers. Yeah, 36. It's all over. One foot in the grave. Those were the days when you know somebody being a rock star being thirty six was considered you know worthy of note. I've also looking further into the same issue. It's got two really interesting looks forward into the future. It's got well, I'll tell you what's really interesting about the Rolling Stones when you go and look back through it. All the major advertising is cigarettes. Full page ads for Camel and all these kind of things, you know. And they now look absolutely weird when you look at the thing. My they God, you're weird. allowed to advertise cigarettes like that. wrong. And uh, anyway, they've got a whole page about everything you need to know about personal computers. You know, you might decide that you want a personal computer. And it gives you a rundown of uh, choosing, of a guide of choosing what's best for you. You could have an Apple. 2 Plus, which is the latest machine, which will cost you $1,330. But for that, you get 64K of memory. 64. You could put a whole kind of... You could put a whole letter on a computer, probably, and keep it. As long as you didn't have a photograph as well. And then the second... The next page has a will decent, decent the... size shopping list would probably pretty much take <laughs> up the entire thing. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next page has the digital revolution. Will the compact disc make the LP obsolete? That was uh, that was just about to happen, you know, which is absolutely extraordinary to think. And the album reviewed in that issue was a new record by Michael Jackson called Thriller. So you know, fantastic. That's quite a significant issue, isn't that's, it? Really, that's a be- you, I think you've got a better deal with yours than I did with mine. Actually, well, that's I just riveting. picked up. I just, I just picked up that one. That of, was the in first terms of a little window into pop culture. That's fantastic, isn't it? It's there was there a letters page? There was. A, there's a letters page in this where the with the LP winner. Do you remember oh, the LP yes. winner. <laughs> well, <laughs> John Lennon used to sign on social media. John Lennon, when he used to write to the melody maker, which he did often, he always used to sign himself LP winner, didn't he? LP winner. Oh, there's a little right. post, guys. LP winner. It's a really good gag. It's Incredibly a really good, good gag. gag. 
the the LP winner in the edition of Melody Maker I've got is somebody who writes in with a theory about why Steve Hackett has left Genesis, you know, and it's just, <laughs> Christ, is that really is that really <laughs> the big earth shattering, <laughs> earth shaking, uh, you know, topic of the week? God alone. Yes, yeah, so one of the blessings of social media is people no longer write to music papers about things like that. They just kind of tweet about them, don't they? Uh, with other people, you who can are almost interested. you can almost read those letters out in a certain voice, which is that, that kind of. I think you'll find. That actually, Steve Hackett was. I think you'll find. (laughs) (laughs) I have to. We have to confess, readers, listeners, that we used to, you know, that that we used to sometimes at Word and other music magazines when people say, if you got something wrong in the, in you know, in, in. in the in the editorial, you'll think, oh, there'll be letters, there'll be, there'll be and the letters will always start. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. <laughs> much as much as I enjoyed your article, your es- esteemed, pig. your esteemed tone, your esteemed I organ. Think you'll find. <laughs> but now, you know, we, the idea we that their enjoyment was ruined by one factual error, which I mean, we were all guilty of that. It's true. We're all because because it. then, but what nobody realised was that eventually a thing would be invented, which would allow you to correct people all the time in real time, and that's the internet, because yeah. that's why people go on the internet in order to find things that are slightly wrong and to point out that they're slightly wrong. You know, that's one of the great pleasures. You can do this. Whereas back in the days of ink and paper, it was a lot harder to do. The Word Podcast. It passes the time. So other things we've got to to plug before we go. If you haven't seen it already, do go to YouTube. Do do go to the Word in Your Ear uh, kind of channel area section on YouTube and and have a look at our Word in Your Attic series of, uh, well, videos. Let's call them. That's what they are, isn't it? They are videos. They're videos. They're videos where we communicate with various interesting parties and old mates during the lockdown, find out what they're up to, and ask them to do a little bit of show and tell. And so we've had uh, we've had Mark Billigan, we've had Mr. B, yeah, the Rogers. gentleman, the gentleman rival. We had Jude Rogers. We just recorded another one this morning. We won't tell you who that is yet, but it'll be it'll be with you soon. And we've exciting got celebrity ones. guest. Yeah, He's very, ones. very funny, actually, and has some absolutely terrific items. And great autographs. Yeah. He has autographs of uh, an interesting collection of people. So uh, what else have we got? I'll tell you what, we're, we're, we're planning. We're going to do a little, a little hangout, a little event with our, uh, with our Patreon subscribers, which they'll be, they'll be hearing more about in the next few days. Uh, an event of kind of... With educational and amusement value, which I hope you'll uh, you'll enjoy. Maybe maybe we may even kick off the weekend with uh, with that. We haven't we haven't arrived at a time yet. What are you doing for the rest of the day? The rest of the day, the, we'll be going down to the allotment. <laughs> going down to the allotment. Yeah, the asparagus, because the asparagus has just started coming up, which is very it's exciting. It's last of the summer rock. It's in, <laughs> <laughs> it is. This is, is when, is the... when this old bloody war is over, Mark and I will be back to doing what, what I know in many people's fond imaginings we do all the time, which is push each other up and down a hill in a wheelbarrow. So, you know, <laughs> like, we'll, we'll be back to doing that in due course. Have faith. This podcast was brought to you by The Word.
Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.